The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How does that feel to lose in the NFC Championship game because I don't have a quarterback? Pretty to be honest. Yeah, that's about it. Well, that kind of sums up the experience for the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday. How does it feel to not have my co-host today? Pretty damn good. Chris Sims out, Miles Simmons in. Chris Sims has been suspended for a day for dropping the F-bomb last week. I'm kidding. He's sick. (laughs) (laughs) I really, I really, I really thought about having some fun with that and creating the false impression for as long as I could that Chris Sims got suspended for dropping an F-bomb live last week. And I thought, you know what? It would have a chance to take on a life of its own. It would get halfway around the world before the truth could get its pants on. I decided to abandon ship before the ship even left the harbor miles. Either way, glad to see you. I know it's early, 4 a.m. Pacific time. Starting to get a little brighter here earlier, though I think you have a few more hours before you'll see any daylight in L.A. Yeah, it's at least another hour, hour and a half, which is fine. You know, I got used to it during the season, and today I'll be either a great substitute teacher or a bad substitute teacher. I suppose it depends on your perspective. Well, I always loved the substitute teacher because you never did anything. It was always a major disappointment Uh when you had a substitute that actually required you to do something and had the unique ability to pick up where the teacher had left off and actually expect you to continue to learn. God forbid you go to school and actually learn anything. All right, you can learn some things over the next couple of hours here on PFT Live, presented by Google Pixel. Learn more, as always, at googlestore.com. We are live on Peacock, Sirius XM 85, tape delay on Sky Sports NFL and podcast wherever, whenever. However, and I do have to say this, because Sims and I have a thing, especially when there aren't games, we take up to 10 minutes to just waste everyone's time talking about pointless stuff. I do have to thank you for one thing, and it was very important. You did make me aware yesterday of the fact that Abbott and Costello are both dead. So thank (laughs) you very much for that. I didn't know that two guys who came to prominence in the 40s when they were middle-aged, although they probably were 23, just people looked a lot older then because of all the booze and the cigarettes – I didn't know they had died, so thank you for alerting me to that yesterday. Well, you're welcome. I don't know. I was a little concerned when you start tweeting about Abbott and Costello routines. You know, like we can really do that in 2023. Well, I mean, weren't those popular almost 100 years ago? I don't think we're getting any new Abbott and Costello routines, man. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, but but the reality is, and the whole point came up because I'm irritated by the Pro Bowl. Everything still being called the Pro Bowl when there is no more Pro Bowl. 
So yes. this weekend there will be a Pro Bowl. Well, where's the Pro Bowl? There is no Pro Bowl. So are you coming to the Pro Bowl? Sure. What time does it start? When is the Pro Bowl? There is no Pro Bowl. And it just reminded me of the whole who's on first thing. And frankly, there has yet to be since the who's on first routine, which had the crossover to sports, which made me fascinated by it the first time I saw it when I was a kid. There they are. Yeah. There hasn't been the, the timing, the brilliance of the writing, the who's on first, what's on second, I don't know's on third, and everything they did. And then they go through the outfield, the pitcher, and the catcher. It's a long routine. But the fascinating part was just the rhythm and the timing and the back and forth of the first, second, and third. Who, what, I don't know. I, I just I always love that. And this whole – somebody smarter and more creative than me could come up with a new Abbott and Costello routine based upon the fact that the Pro Bowl still exists, but it doesn't. And it's still called the Pro Bowl, even though there is no Pro Bowl. They're just well, playing froth or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, usually when they they've advertised it, I feel like the broadcasters have said the new pro, the new reimagined Pro Bowl games are being broadcast on ABC and ESPN on whatever day it is. I don't know because I'm going to be flying to Phoenix, so I don't really care. I'm not going to watch it. I wasn't going to watch it anyway. And maybe I shouldn't say that, but I mean, who cares? Ugh. No, it's okay. The you're, you're allowed days. to say it. I haven't watched the Pro Bowl. I've I have only watched the Pro Bowl in enough chunks to digest that it's two hand touch and full pads, as it should have been. Yes. Once we got to the point where where the financial realities of football became something that everyone understands, and you have free agency and a salary cap, and you're healthy, and that's the other side of it too. Yeah, you're healthy enough to play another game after all the other games have been played. What the hell are you doing playing a game? No, right. stay yeah. healthy. And if we're going to have yes. if we're going to have any sensitivity to player health and safety, the last thing we're going to do is throw them in the meat grinder one last time after they have right. managed to escape 17 plus meat grinders healthy enough to do it again. So right. the whole thing made no sense. But you're right. Some are adding the games disclaimer, Miles, but. Elsewhere, you just see, and all these tweets, so-and-so has been named the Pro Bowl. No, he hasn't. There is no Pro Bowl. Just, you know, <laughs> put in whatever it is. It's not the Pro Bowl. Nobody's going to the Pro Bowl. If anybody shows up at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday expecting to see a Pro Bowl, they're going to be sorely disappointed. Anyway, well, I is, won't is watch it if you won't watch it. And we, we recommend that no one watch it because the few – here's the thing. And I yeah, know so they can cancel it. mad yeah. at me for saying this. They're going to get mad at me for saying this. If nobody watches it, it'll go away. They're exactly. banking on us being dumb enough to tune in to watch flag football. Do you really care about flag football? I know they're trying to make flag football a thing because that's their ticket to the Olympics, and now I'm inching toward another third rail. I just don't care today. Oh, boy. If you're not interested in it, don't watch it. Turn your TV off. Go take a walk. Fly to Phoenix like we're going to be doing. We have an excuse. But why watch it? It's not football. It's not football. It's your favorite football players doing stuff that isn't football. Big freaking deal. All right, I'll shut up what? before I get yeah. myself suspended for the rest of the show. It's just going to be miles until 9 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, just me doing this, doing a little jig. It'll be fun. Yeah, let, let's move on <laughs> so I don't mess up my bag either. I was giving you a chance. I was giving you a chance. Yeah, I was giving you a chance to screw up your career uh, decades yeah, before it's at the point where mine is. I'm at the point yeah. where, I'm, I mean, really, it's kind of funny. If it all ended today, I'd be fine. I've done right, that. I wouldn't. I'm okay. Yeah. I may never get that Ferrari, but that's okay. I can live well, with that. And I'll probably never buy it anyway. I just like talking about getting one. All right. Yeah, you'll uh, be fine with the RS7. On to the news. I don't know what you're talking about. On to the news. <laughs> Brock Purdy, 49ers quarterback, suffered a and, – and here's where we go from yucking it up to trying to be serious about it because it's a serious long-term injury. You can see my face gradually changing to serious news face. Brock Purdy suffered a torn UCL in his throwing elbow. Remember, that's the injury that we feared Josh Allen suffered earlier right. this year. And he ended up playing through it. He didn't have a torn UCL. Brock Purdy does. He's expected to miss six months. Now, he's getting second opinions on whether or not he needs surgery on the elbow. And there's different types of surgery. You can go full-blown Tommy John, which can be you know, a serious situation. But it can also make you better 
on the other end. It makes your elbow stronger than it naturally is if it all works the right way. And, of course, every surgery that ever happens to a professional athlete is always a success until it isn't. But, Miles, this this is something. This this train was rolling. Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy. Oh, he's the guy for next year. Now, all of a sudden, with one play, one moment, it's all thrown into chaos for the 49ers. Yeah, it is. And it, it's weird. I mean, and people have pointed this out. This is the second year in a row that the 49ers quarterback who started the NFC championship game for them ends up needing a significant surgery to start the offseason or perhaps right or at least has a significant injury going into the offseason. And we'll see, I guess, if that second opinion or maybe he gets like Mike White and he goes to 10 doctors until he hears something he wants to hear. Right. I, I mean, it's really unfortunate because of how well Brock Purdy was playing to that point and we don't know what would have happened if he had not suffered that injury and he would have been able to continue but I mean this is significant ramifications because it's not just oh you know Brock Purdy's out six months and that means you know he could probably be back if that timeline is correct for the start of training camp I mean six months pretty much takes you out for the entire offseason program right and when you're talking about a young quarterback somebody who even though he had a lot of success, still needs to grow in that offense if he's going to be QB1 for the 49ers next year. You need that offseason program to get with everybody, to grow in the offense, to learn the offense, to master the offense. So it's kind of like, well, you've opened the door for Trey Lance or somebody else, perhaps somebody who has seven Super Bowls, to come in there and be the starting quarterback for the offseason and have a grip on that thing going into training camp. And that is significant. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're now in a spot where if Brock Purdy's the guy, we're going to have this constant obsession. When's he ready? When will he be ready? And he hasn't done enough to be that guy that we're obsessed with every day in training camp. It's Brock Purdy. He had a great run, pressed into service, but he never got a chance to finish the job. Got them to the NFC Championship, gets an incomplete because of the injury. I thought, if anything, it would be a game where he has multiple turnovers and they have to decide, can we trust this guy week in and week out? And you never want to, and even though you know injuries are possible, you never want to say it out loud as it relates to one specific guy because then if it happens, you know what you did? You jinxed him by talking about it. That's just part of the culture for what we do. You don't openly talk about the possibility of injury. We know it's there, but you never know when it's going to happen. It can happen anytime, any place, and it happened to Brock Purdy. But now, if he is out six months, you're right. Somebody's got to take the reps as the QB1 in the offseason program. We don't know where Trey Lance is physically. He had to have another procedure to have hardware taken out of his ankle, which isn't all that uncommon, but still, he's recovering from a serious injury that happened back in week two. Jimmy Garoppolo is due to become a free agent. No one expects him to re-sign with the 49ers. Crazier things have happened between Garoppolo and the 49ers since August when we thought he was done and he stayed. So you can't rule out entirely the possibility of Garoppolo coming back. And then you've got Tom Brady hovering over everything. Tom Brady, who wanted to sign with the 49ers in 2020, and the 49ers politely said no thank you. Sims and I believe something was going on last year when Shanahan stays home from the scouting combine. Tom Brady, coincidentally, is back visiting his parents in San Mateo, sleeping in the bedroom he grew up in. And Brian Greasy, mm-hmm. a Brady teammate at Michigan, just arrives in the area as the quarterback's coach, and they're all out there at the same time. Hmm. Just weeks after the Tom Brady path to Miami had been blown up. Hmm, how interesting that was. And now this year, you don't have the Buccaneers contract to navigate. So this may be the time where it all finally lines up. And that Brock Purdy injury may have been the thing that kicks the door open for Tom Brady to finally play Miles for the team that he grew up rooting for. Yeah, it really could. And, you know, I I think that Brady in that particular offense could be pretty good still. Right. I mean, it's not like Tom Brady has lost all of his ability to throw. I I think that we saw that, you know, when he was able to pull the rabbit out of his rear end in so many games to get the Buccaneers to that division title in the NFC South. 
and you go to someplace like uh, San Francisco where you have weapons like Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and Brandon Ayuk and Elijah Mitchell and George Kittle, and the list goes on and on and on. And perhaps that lengthens Brady's career, right? I mean, that's an extremely quarterback-friendly offense, which we know because Brock Purdy, as the literal last pick in the draft, was able to excel as he did. So I'm interested to see where that goes, and especially because of the injury to Brock Purdy. But I I would also say we don't know what Trey Lance is, and that's just kind of weird. You know, it's the third overall pick in the draft from the 2021, and we have no idea what his career trajectory even could be because I mean, in the first year he wasn't ready. That was pretty obvious as they put Jimmy Garoppolo out there. He had a couple of spot starts. Didn't look like a franchise guy per se quite yet. And then, you know, in 2022, he gets a monsoon in Chicago and then he gets hurt week yes. two. We have <laughs> no clue what Trey Lance is. So if perhaps Tom Brady doesn't go there, I mean, there's at least should be a competition between Brock Purdy and Trey Lance, but who knows what he can be. I I find the whole thing fascinating, Mike. Especially because the 49ers gave up so much to get Trey Lance, and I felt bad for Trey Lance from the moment that happened. It puts undue extra pressure on a guy who already walks through the door with a ton of pressure as the third overall pick in the draft. You're not just the third overall pick. You're the guy in whom the team has invested three first-round picks and a third-round pick. Now go out there and be Joe Montana and Steve Young rolled into one. Gee, thanks. No pressure whatsoever (laughs) for me. A guy who played at North Dakota State and didn't play at all in 2020 or hardly played because of the COVID situation. Yeah, thanks a lot for that. No pressure indeed. So I was fascinated by the outcome of this poll. We flashed it up there. There's still time to vote if you'd like to vote at Twitter. You really can't change the the numbers much at this point 34,000 plus have voted 25 percent one out of four have Tom Brady as the week one starter think of how significant that is one in four who responded didn't pick the two guys who are under contract for next year (laughs) didn't pick the guy who's been the starter since midway through the 2017 season except when he's been injured they picked the guy who's never played for the 49ers in his entire life. And I don't think that that would have been the same outcome if I had thrown any other random veteran quarterback in that spot. You put Sam Darnold at the bottom of that stack, he's not oh. getting 25%. You put Aaron Rodgers at the bottom of that stack, he's not getting 25%. Tom Brady's getting 25% for a reason, because people know there's been an effort to to make what Chuck Woolery used to call the love connection between Tom Brady and the 49ers, and this may be the year it finally happens. The Purdy yeah, injury maker, is the thing maker. that may make it finally happen. Yeah. Boy, that's, yeah. Even, I mean, that's almost as dated as Abbott and Costello. <laughs> I don't know. What's a love connection? What, what do we, I don't know how old that is either. It's Wait just, a minute. You're like aware you said, of matchmaker, like matchmaker, say. but you're not aware of love connection? I mean, I, I am. I, I just, think, I, it's, it's one of those things where it's like it's before I was born, you know? So you think that I think it doesn't really exist. It's just somewhere floating right. in the ether and it's happened at some point in time. I don't know. Well, what was Matchmaker Matchmaker from? What's that from? It's, it's a which musical. Show? It's from a Broadway show. I know, yeah, but, I it's, know. but it's from a musical. I know that. But which one? Yeah. I can't I remember. Know. Is it from Fiddler on the Roof? Is it from that? Is it from Man of La Mancha? I don't know. I, I don't know. We just it's no all no idea. It's from Fiddler. It's from Fiddler. <laughs> I don't know why okay. I think it's from Whoa. Man of La Mancha. All right. Well done. I, I was I should I should have quit with my first guess. All right, let's yeah. move on. D'Amico Ryan's moving on from San Francisco, where he's been the defensive coordinator for a couple of years. Most likely to the Texans. He's told the Broncos, no thank you. As I tweeted last night, and man, this really triggered some Broncos fans. The new ownership group is realizing quickly that running a football team at the NFL level is far more difficult than buying and selling household goods on a razor-thin margin. You can't really control some of the key decisions that end up being made regarding your football franchise, such as who's willing to come coach your team, especially when you have a quarterback under contract that plenty of people think has had his best days well in the rearview mirror. They've... Wanted D'Amico Ryan, supposedly. Now he passes on them. Jim Harbaugh, they met with him twice. Greg Penner, the CEO, went to Ann Arbor. That's significant. When the CEO 
one of the most successful men in American business, goes to Ann Arbor instead of Ann Arbor coming to him, that speaks to a level of desperation by the Denver Broncos. Sean Payton, who knows where that stands? So, I mean, this is supposed to be about D'Amico Ryans, but the background to all of this is the Broncos, some of the members of that ownership group reportedly wanted him, and he decides he's going to Houston instead. And he played there. It makes sense, but that's where it's pointing, and that's good for the Texans, Miles, not good for the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's great for the Texans. I I think it's A, a great story, but B, it makes a ton of football sense, right? I mean, you get somebody in there who has the history with the franchise, and it's not like it's even a franchise that's that old, right? It's significantly younger than me. So I, I think that's one thing that actually connects him to the fan base, and that's a good thing. But you also see what D'Amico Ryans has done as a coach, as a coordinator. I mean, you get Fred Warner talking about how it makes him emotional knowing that it's probably the last time he's going to play under D'Amico Ryans. And D'Amico Ryans had been his position coach, then was his coordinator. So I think that tells you a lot about what those guys with the San Francisco 49ers think about him. And he obviously presided over the most successful defense in the regular season that we had this year. You know, when you're number one in points allowed and total yards allowed, that means you're the best defense in the league. So I think that it's really encouraging for the Texans that they were able to kind of make this, uh, let's call it fait accompli, as it seems like it's going to be. When you're talking about the Broncos, too, and they basically make it known publicly by whether it's their choice or not, that he's their number one pick for coach, and he ends up going to Houston, a franchise that we all kind of think of as dysfunctional. I mean, it says something about both of those teams and both of those situations and kind of probably the anvil that on the organization that is the Russell Wilson contract. That really is amazing to think that the Broncos may emerge from this process coming off as more dysfunctional than the most dysfunctional team other than the commanders for slightly different reasons. But from football perspectives, The Texans have been the most dysfunctional by far the past few years. They win a tug of war with the Broncos for D'Amico Ryans. Great for the Texans, not great, Bob, for the Denver Broncos. Isn't that that the line you like to use, not great, Bob, for Mad Men? It is. I'm hip. I'm hip. I'm with the times. Although that's that's a series that's becoming a little dated as well. It's been a while. It's it's a very old show. Uh, Okay, so this really isn't – the more I think about this, you know – uh, one of the other issues with the Broncos, too, and now we can pivot past the fact that it's expected that D'Amico Ryans is going to be the coach of the Texans at some point this week, barring something unforeseen, and we know none of yes. these deals are done until they're done. More on that in a second. For the Broncos, I wonder if one of the issues, Miles, is Rob Walton, the primary principal owner of the team, along with his daughter, Carrie Walton Penner, and son-in-law, Greg Penner. And look, we talk about Rob Walton's net worth of $70 billion. Whatever it is for Carrie and Greg, for each of them, it starts with a B, too. Okay? So we got a lot of billions floating around. It's the old McDonald's sign. They just eventually gave up and just put billions and billions served. We just can't count the billions anymore on our big old arches sign. Well, let's just go with billions and billions. That's what the Walmart crowd are. They're billions and billions. I think that. And I don't know this. I haven't heard this yet. But I think that it's it's very plausible to assume that anyone that the Broncos are showing interest in wants more money from them than they would for anyone else. Why wouldn't you? Hmm. You, you got it. Well, what would you do? Yeah, you're, you're really, 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 really rich. You're far richer than any other ownership group in the NFL. So if you want me, it's going to cost you. And I wonder how they're striking the balance between the fact that they can snap their fingers and pay whatever anyone wants. But if they do that, they're going to piss off all their new partners. You know, they're the new kids on the block and they're trying to tread lightly. So it's a tough balance for them because you know what, Miles? If they really wanted D'Amico Ryans, there's a way to get D'Amico Ryans. Hey, what, what, what's what's Cal McNair paying you? Okay, add a zero to it, and that's what we'll pay you. Then you get to mm-hmm. Miko Ryan's if you really want him. You can buy your way out of dysfunction, and that's the balance the Broncos have to strike. If they overpay to get the guy they want that makes them look not dysfunctional, then all of a sudden they become persona non grata at 345. It's a tough spot for the Broncos right now. 
Well, I mean, we've seen things like this in the past and not necessarily just with coaches, right? I mean, you could point to Matt Rule and say, you know, because uh, the Panthers and the Giants were both supposedly going after him, but David Tepper went to Baylor, Waco, Texas, wherever the hell that is in that state that I don't really want to go to ever. Sorry, Shereen. Um, but then he parks wow. himself there. Wait, and wait, wait, he- wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We love Texas. We love Texas. We love our readers and viewers in Texas. Now, oh, Miles may well. not like the heat in Texas or the fire yeah. ants, or I don't know, but but we, we don't want to alienate an entire state. I mean, if we're going to alienate an entire <laughs> state, let's pick a state with less people in it, okay? <laughs> Please. That's your problem. I'm trying to run it's a business mine. here. <laughs> Sorry, Texas. We love you. Austin, yeah, keep yourself weird. Anyway, he goes to Baylor, he sits himself in Matt Rule's part, dri- driveway, and then he basically says, yeah, Matt Rule, you're going to be my coach, and he pays him a lot of money, and so that's why he was very happy when Matt Rule got this job with Nebraska so he doesn't have to pay him so much money anymore, right? So that's one thing we've seen it. Or you could point to players where it's Deshaun Watson, right, and the Browns are ostensibly out. We all see the reports that the Browns are out, and then all of a sudden the Browns are back in. Why? Because they fully guarantee his contract. Whether or not Sean Watson wants to say that, we all know that that's the thing. So you're right. They can buy their way out of dysfunction. And frankly, if you're D'Amico Ryans and you know that you have to be saddled with this quarterback that you think now stinks, then you should get some sort of hazard pay for having to deal with that and your record potentially being worse because you think that Russell Wilson is not going to just magically be better no matter what it is that you do, right? It's a very different situation in going down to Houston there, and you are somehow able – Houston, great town, by the way. I mean, Beyonce's from there. That's great. Um, but you don't necessarily get that same sort of thing where you're saddled with Russell Wilson and the contract. You get ostensibly a new young quarterback that you can grow yourself. So it's a very different situation between those two franchises. If you're going to throw strays, throw them at Wyoming. That's the least populated state <laughs> in the union, according to the Google machine that I just uh, that I just checked out. But but you're right. It is a better football situation for D'Amico Ryans. Chances are they're not going to fire him after one year. I don't yeah. think they're going to go three for three firing head coach after one year. They bring back a guy who played for the team. He was defensive rookie of the year as a linebacker with the Texans in 2006, later traded to the Eagles, actually sued the Texans and everyone else who may have been responsible for an Achilles injury that he suffered in in what I think was his final NFL game. JJ Watt, does JJ Watt have inside information when he when he tweets that with no comment? Maybe he does, but everybody knows at this point. Everybody everybody knows at this point D'Amico Ryan's is going to be the head coach of the Texans barring something unforeseen. Here's something yeah. interesting, Miles. Everybody supposedly knew that Vic Fangio was going to be the defensive coordinator of the Dolphins. That's what NFL Network told us. And if NFL Network tells us, it must be true. It's only official if it comes from NFL Network. Nobody else counts. Nobody else matters. Only NFL Network. Well, guess what? Vic Fangio may not be going to the Dolphins. And this has been a strange dynamic that's played out over the past day or two. There are occasions where conflicting reports emerge. One reporter says something's going to happen. Another reporter says it's not going to happen. You get your popcorn and you wait and see who's right, who's wrong. In this case, you've got multiple reporters saying Vic Fangio is going to become the next defensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins. The deal is done. You've got Vic Fangio himself telling multiple reporters. Let me say that again for those in the back. Yes. And anyone out there who doesn't understand the difference. Vic Fangio himself is saying the deal is not done. Now, I understand there was a Dolphins head coach who once said, I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. And if Vic Fangio secretly does have a done deal with the Dolphins and it comes to light, then we call him a big fat liar. But this is far different from reporter A versus reporter B, both with their unnamed sources doing battle in a steel cage death match. This is multiple reporters with unnamed sources saying it's done, and the guy himself saying it's not. Right. And it's not even a matter of I haven't written my name on the contract. He told Mike Silver of the San Francisco Chronicle and Bally Sports, I haven't made a decision yet. It hasn't been decided. Nothing's been decided. And what Silver pointed out, there's a lot of respect between Kyle Shanahan, the 49ers coach, and Fangio. 
and Shanahan is going to need a new defensive coordinator. Oh, and yeah. Fangio's had that job in the past, and he's done pretty well in it. And look, yep. I haven't tweeted this. I haven't written about it yet because all the Dolphins fans out there, all the two and on crowd, think that anything that I mention is aimed at making the Dolphins look bad. Folks, it's facts. Facts are facts. Facts are stubborn things. They, they are what they are. Fangio has said himself, it's not a done deal. Silver flow to the 49ers possibility. There are other people in the league who are talking about Fangio possibly ending up as the 49ers defensive coordinator. So this one has gotten very interesting very quickly, Miles. Yeah, it, it really has. And that's what that's the real interesting thing, right? It wasn't just Silvery told it to Mike Kliss, a KUSA out of Denver, somebody that Kliss obviously knows from covering him on a day-to-day basis. When you have those two guys saying that Vic Fangio on the record told them that the deal is not done, that basically means that the deal isn't done, right? And then you've got all these reporters from Miami who are saying, no, it's pretty much done. You know, it's he hasn't signed the contract yet, but this is something that they expect to happen. And it's this and it's that. Now, the other thing that plays into this is kind of the dynamic between Mike McDaniel and Kyle Shanahan. And those two dudes are as close as anybody in the league, right? Because of the time that they've been together in Cleveland and Houston and San Francisco and Atlanta and their relationship, obviously, in Washington. And their relationship goes back a really long time, too. So it's kind of the push and pull dynamic here. Of where are we going to actually see Vic Fangio? And I, I mean, whichever team gets him, they obviously are going to get one of the best defensive minds in the league. So I can understand why there would be some sort of bidding war, if you will, over Vic Fangio and getting him in there to run your defense, because that's a significant upgrade, you know, no matter who you've got. Probably. And I mean that with all due respect to D'Amico Ryans, who's then going to go and be on a head coach, right? I mean, this is somebody with decades and decades of coaching of experience. Yeah. And I'm surprised more teams weren't trying to get Vic Fangio. I thought the Vikings would get in it because they got Ed Donatal because of his connection to Vic Fangio. Well, when you get Vic Fangio light, you get what you pay for. Maybe we just go Mm -hmm. all in in Minnesota and get Vic Fangio, but his name didn't come up there. It did come up in a big way with the Dolphins, and now the 49ers are in play, and we just wait and see what happens. But don't be shocked if he ends up as defensive coordinator of the 49ers instead of the Dolphins, despite NFL Network telling us that the Dolphins are a done deal. And people are like, well, how does that happen? Well, you know, it could be the agent got over his skis a little bit on this one and started Mm -hmm. talking to people before the client had made his final decision, there is a chance Fangio's fibbing. Wouldn't be the first time a football coach has lied. He may have a reason for it. Regardless, regardless, this isn't the usual two reporters based on per sources. This is one group of reporters with unnamed sources and two other reporters with the man himself saying it's not done. So we'll see how it plays out. Around any corner, within every battle, And with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed.
the Bengals season is done, as we already know. Jermaine Pratt had some very strong words, not to anyone in particular, just spouted off into the sky as he was blowing off steam heading into the locker room, not realizing cameras and microphones are everywhere. He was expressing his displeasure with the fact that Joseph Asai had drawn a late hit penalty with the game on the line, season on the line, birth in the Super Bowl on the line, delivered 15 extra yards, allowed the Chiefs to kick the field goal and win it. If you didn't know that already, where have you been the last two days? Here is Jermaine Pratt apologizing to, to what? What did I do? What? No, what, what, I was saying, what I spoiler say? alert I say if you didn't wrong? know. No. Yeah, spoiler giving... alert. Yes, yes, he was dead the whole yeah. time. Here's yeah. Jermaine Pratt. Here's Jermaine Pratt uh, walking back his comments, uh, and rightfully so, regarding his teammate Joseph Asai. I was emotional. I was in the moment. I was wrong. I would say I was wrong. As a man, you can look at yourself in the mirror and say, I was wrong. I wasn't a great teammate at that moment. But they don't define me as a man, you know. But... It is what it is, 24 hours. I'm going back to work. I got a great off season ahead with my kids and family. That's all that matters at the end of the day. When I go home to my kids, they love me. I go home to my fiance, they love me. That's all that matters. So all the other stuff is relevant. Back to work. Sounds like a guy who has worked his way through anger, denial, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Just like every fan out there. At the end of the day, you go through extreme disappointment and you start counting your blessings. My dog still loves me so I can move forward with my life. No matter what happens, my dog is still happy to see me. And so it's back to work. And, and it's, it's, it, you, it, things are said in the heat of the moment. And it's an emotional game. It's frustrating. We talked about this at length yesterday, Miles. You and I haven't talked about it directly. But, I mean, he's a 22-year-old kid who's trying to make a play. He's caught in a tough spot. It's at the sideline. It's hard to pull up in that moment. Eli Manning talked about this yesterday with Jim Rome, and he was on a media tour. He may have talked about it with others as well. But it just it's, it's you know, something Mike McDaniel said earlier this year, and I, I'm repeating myself because I said this yesterday, but I think it bears repeating for anyone who wasn't watching the show yesterday. It's not like guys are out there trying to sabotage the team. They're not trying to do something they shouldn't do. They're out there trying to do the right thing. And you've got 11 guys on one team who are trying to do one thing, 11 guys on the other team who are trying to do something else. They're all trying their best. Stuff happens. And and something happened. Something happened. Bad for the Bengals. But Joseph Asai wasn't doing it on purpose. He wasn't trying to, to hurt the Bengals. He wasn't trying to keep the Bengals out of the Super Bowl. He didn't have money on the Chiefs. I mean, no, he... It just, you know, you're playing full speed and mistakes happen, and, and we just need to accept that. As I tweeted the other night, if we are going to pretend to care at all about the mental health of pro athletes, we have to accept the fact that he just made a mistake, and it's going to haunt him literally for the rest of his life. Yeah, it probably will, and it's so unfortunate. I mean, for somebody who's 22 years old as he is, but look, I mean, you commit the penalty, you commit the penalty, and that's kind of the reality that we have to live with. And when it comes to Jermaine Pratt, man, I mean, I... It's one of those instances where, I mean, due to what we do in our business, it's good for us to have cameras and, you know, microphones and all that everywhere because it gives us more to talk about. But there's also a reason why there is that cooling off period between when the players come off the field and when the locker room becomes open, because otherwise you get more outbursts like this. And it's kind of unfair, in my opinion, for everybody to pile on Pratt where he's just. He's saying something in frustration that I think we can all understand, right? When you have a Super Bowl on the line and that's something that you work your entire life for as a football player and something happens that you didn't do, it's like, yeah, you're going to be frustrated. And I think it's extremely understandable and extremely human for him to be frustrated. What I also give him credit for is for making that apology in the way that he did. That was a real apology. I was wrong, you know? When you say something like that, I was wrong. I wasn't a good teammate. He, we know that it's true, and it's a human moment. And so I, I hope that Asai and Pratt are all good, you know. And the Bengals are still a team that they should be back next year, but you never know. So those things are something that, yeah, you're going to be thinking about probably for the rest of your life. But at, at the same time, it's a human moment, and I hope we can all appreciate it for what that is. And I think it's very important that the Bengals find a way to get past this quickly. We have seen teams have their seasons end with these 
horrible, deflating, oh, my God, I can't believe that happened, and it lingers. It, it lingered for the Seahawks after Super Bowl Forty Nine. I think it lingered for the Falcons after Super Bowl Fifty One. One team that did a great job of always turning the page after having the Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, Momshiba moment where you pull your heart out and show it to them, it was the Saints. 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. They keep coming back from these, I can't believe that happened, Minneapolis Miracle One year, the horrendous non-call of pass interference that everybody in the world thinks was a bad call except Miles because he was working for the Rams at the time. Uh, And it's like it was something every year. In 2019, it was the Kyle Rudolph push-off that wasn't called in overtime for the touchdown in the wild card round. And they just kept coming back. And um, that, that's what the Bengals need to do. They need to forget about it, and they keep coming back. And Joe Burrow is the, the right leader on the field to do that. Zach Taylor has proven to be the right coach off the field to help them forget about that and move forward with the things that, uh, that they need to do to try to get to the Super Bowl and win it. Now, they may have to do it next year without Lou Anaromo. We have been saying for weeks, why isn't anybody talking to this guy about being a possible head coach of their team? Well, the Cardinals, one of four teams still looking for a head coach, quickly put in the request for Anarumo and for Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator of the Bengals, after the Bengals lost the game. Now that, that it's over, obviously both are free and clear to be interviewed and or hired by any of these teams looking for coaches. Uh, and and we, we praise Lou Anarumo. Well, okay, fine. Let's see if one of these teams is going to bring him in. It reminds me of Mike Zimmer finally getting a job in Minnesota when he was the Bengals defensive coordinator under Marvin Lewis. There'd been talk. Is he, is he going to get a chance? Is he going to get a chance? And he finally did. Hell, Anarumu hadn't gotten an interview. Yeah. No, well, I mean, that happens. I don't know. I, I Look, I, I understand the the stumping for Anarumo that we have, but, you know, I, I – I also understand if you are an owner, if you're a David Tepper type and you clearly want somebody who is offensive minded, even though that there are defensive minded guys out there who do a really good job and ostensibly you should be looking for the best leader of men on your football team. Sometimes that's not really what you want. And, you know, if Eric Bieniemy can't really get an interview except for with the Colts, like, I, you know. What are we doing with Lou Anaruma? I don't know. I mean, it doesn't seem like he's a bad coach. I don't know what his plan would be for offense. I mean, what is his plan for getting Kyler Murray to be the best that he can be, even though he's going to be coming off this ACL, right? I mean, this is, it's just one of those things where owners are going to do what they want to do. And they're going to hire the coaches that they want. And so if they don't want to hire Lou Anaruma, I don't know. I, I don't know what to, how to explain that. And I'm not saying he should be hired. I just think that there are people out there that deserve to be considered. I mean, why is Biennemi only being considered by one team this year? And, and I know that there's only so much that can be done. The human capacity is limited to a certain number of people you can talk to. But it really is weird how these lists get put together. Well, and there's this infatuation. The Colts are talking to everybody. To I don't know about that, Mike. Well, the, the you know why they're talking? They're talking, they're talking, to, every, they're talking to everybody so Jim Irsay can, can shoot a video – from the ladder into his plane with the engine running, talking about how after after interviewing all of these candidates, it has only made me more convinced that Jeff Saturday is the right man for the job. I firmly believe that's why they're interviewing all these candidates. And I think that unless someone can take the keys away from from dad, who, you know, maybe shouldn't be making these decisions, hey, that's the decision that's going to be made. He wants to 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 show that he was right all along about Saturday and all that Saturday needs is on the job experience and he'll get better and he'll eventually become a great coach. So I, it's, it's just the whole, the whole process fascinates me and we don't have time to delve into it today, but you've got people who own these teams who don't know what they're doing. And that's what I love about this business. The oligarchs who amass the money or inherit the money or marry the money to own and operate these teams are in a position to make these big decisions, and they don't know what they're doing. And the hubris that goes along with having that much money and power prevents them from admitting to anyone, including themselves, that they don't know what they're doing. So it creates a recipe for all sorts of crazy shit. And that's why I love this game. Because you've got these multi-billion dollar operations that 
have analytics and all this high-level analysis and all of these different things that are done. And then you've basically got a bunch of monarchies that own the teams, and they're bumbling around not knowing what they're doing or who to hire or what to do or who to listen to, and you're afraid to even ask someone for advice because you don't want to expose to anyone that you need advice because, God forbid, anyone would think I don't know what I'm doing even though I don't know what I'm doing. It's, it's, I, I love that part of it, and I hate that part of it because it creates these situations where we're asking ourselves, how are these people getting interviewed? How are these people not getting interviewed? Why are we obsessed with coordinators who have never done it before? We've got plenty of former head coaches out there who have done it at a high level. Bill O'Brien, Jason Garrett, Mike Zimmer, Marvin Lewis, Jim Caldwell, guys who have proven they can be leaders of men. Not X's and O's guys. You need leaders of men. You hire X's yeah. and O's guys to work for the leaders of men. It's just the whole thing. The whole thing. And it, it, it's, we could spend two hours on it. That's how fascinating it is. Well, that, but that's what I mean when I say owners are going to do what they want, right? They're, they're going to bring in whoever they have to bring in. They're going to interview people that they want to interview, and they're going to satisfy the Rooney rule because they have to. But at the end of the day, they're going to end up hiring whoever the hell they want to hire, and that's their prerogative. So I don't. that's why it's kind of like when we start talking about, well, Lou Anarumo, why isn't he getting interviews? Like, I don't freaking know, man. Like, the, the owners don't want to do it. It's the same reason why you – know, why doesn't Eric B have a job when he has helped Patrick Mahomes to the level that he has, right? Why is Mike Kafka go? And he's from the same kind of tree as Eric B and Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and all that. And he goes to the giants and now he's being considered for head coaching jobs. And it's like, well, now he called plays. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, but he was the quarterback's coach last year. You know, Zach Taylor goes from being uh, the Rams quarterback's coach where he wasn't calling a damn play. to the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals and he's great, but I mean, great. And that's, I'm not trying to put Zach Taylor down when I say that at all. I mean, it's just owners have whatever criteria that they have to hire whoever they want to hire and look at whoever they want to look at. So Brian Callahan is also getting looks for his job. He ain't calling plays either. And so it, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very random. I can't decipher it. I'm not an owner. I'm not a billionaire. Nobody gives a crap what I think. So they're going to do what they want. That's why the, the, the conversation surrounding Lou Anarumo just confuses me for that reason. It's like we, we already know that billionaires are just going to do whatever the hell they want. So why are we kind of questioning, well, why don't they want to look at him? I don't know. <laughs> well, and, and look, I, I've said time and again in recent years, especially if you have a franchise quarterback, you want an offensive head coach because if your offense works yeah. well with that franchise quarterback, the offensive coordinator ends up becoming a head coach somewhere else. Then you've got to find a new coordinator and you set back whatever progress, whatever trajectory your quarterback is on. Now, on Friday, Peter King and I, to the chagrin of some who wanted us to be talking only about the Looming Conference Championship game, spent roughly an hour unpacking all the issues related to the decision by David Tepper to hire Frank Reich instead of Steve Wilkes and how it becomes not just another issue as it relates to the NFL's ongoing race problem, which the league office has acknowledged, but the owners, I think their attitude is, well, we'll let one of the other owners be the one. I still want to hire who I want. I don't care. But now the yes. other issue is whether or not Steve Wilkes and Brian Flores are the victims of retaliation by owners who resent the fact that they have dared to take on Big Shield. And if you don't think that's an issue, you don't know a damn thing about how the NFL works. How dare you stand up to us? How dare you call us out? How dare you create problems for us? How dare you say anything other than football is family? So that is going to result in Wilkes joining the Panthers to the ongoing litigation for retaliation for not hiring him in whole or in part because of his protected activities against the Cardinals. And I'm watching the Cardinals very carefully to see if they hire Flores because nobody else has interviewed Flores and all those other teams that have vacancies may be in the same boat as the Panthers are going to be in, not giving Flores consideration in whole or in part because he's a troublemaker. He's given us a hard time. He's daring to stand up to Big Shield. That's the other issue that is layered over this current search, Miles. Well, the other thing is, why hasn't Steve Wilkes received an interview somewhere? At least why haven't we heard it? You know, well, especially now that we well, know that the Panthers are going to hire him. Again, he's a troublemaker. Don't you right. sue us. I know. Don't you dare stand up for yourself. Even if you're 100% right, don't you dare do it. Don't hold us accountable. We are Big Shield. We are the great and powerful Shield. The right. great and powerful Shield has spoken.
Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I don't, I mean, look, Steve, Steve Wilkes came into a situation where he was uh, the defensive pass game coordinator, I think for the first year right there in Carolina. Okay. So he has to take over this team that was set up for Matt rule. And then he goes six and six down the stretch and had them on the brink of an NFC South title. And yeah, albeit they were over under 500 and whatnot. He's dealing with Baker Mayfield and, and Sam Darnold as your quarterbacks to PJ Walker. And it changes the entire defense. Basically says, I'm gonna, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to do it my way. And again, it's not a team set up for him, not the players he picked. And he still does, in my view, an incredible job. And that was this bar that he had to clear in order to even be considered for the job by David Tepper. That's like, yeah, then the guy who got replaced by Jeff Saturday, who goes one and seven, has the biggest comeback in NFL history against him. Also gives up 33 points in the fourth quarter to the Dallas Cowboys. He sits there and he says to everybody, well, I didn't do this my way because, you know, I just got here. And these weren't my players. And this isn't the way that I would set up anything. And da 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 as if Steve Wilkes wasn't dealing with the exact same thing. It bothers me, Mike. I mean, I don't, and it's, again, owners get to do what they want. And I understand that. And there's nothing I can do personally to change that. But well, it's not going to not bother me when you look at that situation and you see this. It's ridiculous. They get to do what they want with a caveat. The caveat is their decisions must comply with the relevant laws of the country in which they are doing whatever they want. And I see these tweets all the time. Anytime I talk about this issue, it's America. It's freedom. People can hire whoever they want. No, they can't. There are requirements that there be fair processes. There are requirements that decisions be free of discrimination and or retaliation. And and people need to understand this is separate from the racial discrimination issue that is embedded right. in the Flores lawsuit that Troy Vincent has legitimized with the comments he made after the lawsuit was filed a year ago tomorrow. Tomorrow's the anniversary. And we're still trying to figure out where the case is even going to be handled and processed. That shows you how long it takes to get to the bottom of these situations. This is now about retaliating against those who dare to stand up to us. And look, we need to take a break, and maybe it's smart that I do. Every time I say something like that that is negative toward the league, the shield, the people that run, I, I have this, this concern rattle around inside my brain Who's going to call? How am I going to get in trouble? Am I going to spend two hours cleaning up this mess? The mere fact that I go through that exercise of wondering what I say, what that's going to do on the back end, that just shows you they're going to be pissed off when somebody sues them. If they get pissed off about the stuff I say here in this setting that causes them no financial expense whatsoever, they just don't like people saying those things, you damn right they're not going to be in a position to take kindly to those who would dare to sue them in court and expose and challenge years of discriminatory practices. We need to take a break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.